Morning guys, hope everybody's doing well. Uh, looks like it's gonna be a beautiful day today. So get outside, go for some walks. Um, yeah, we, we're enjoying some beautiful weather. Uh, couple announcements before we get into stuff today. So next Sunday, okay, at 10.30 a.m., we're gonna have a Heartland-wide family worship service. And it's gonna be done on Zoom. Okay, so it's going to be crazy, I'm sure, but it's going to be so cool to see, you know, hundreds of, of faces, um, you know, from, from our churches from Kansas, um, Missouri, Arkansas, and Nebraska. It's just going to be a great time to come together. Rafael Lua, who leads uh, the Lifeway Church in Los Angeles, he's going to, you know, be coming in coming in and be, be our guest speaker. But it's going to be a great opportunity just to pull together as a region, as a family, and worship God together. Um, the info, you know, we're going to send for, for the members of the church here, we're going to send the info out for the Zoom link. But uh, we're also going to post that uh, the uh, the access code for the Zoom on, online. So if you're interested in joining us, you can uh, go to our website for uh, more information there. But that's going to be at 1030 next Sunday. Okay? Um, so embrace the chaos. But uh, I also want to say thank you for those who have continued to give online. Guys, we've been able to, to stay right on budget for the church during this time of quarantine, which is a huge deal. So thank you guys so much for your generosity. I know there's a lot of uncertainty uh, just with the economy, with some of our job situations. Some have, um, you know, lost jobs, but still been able to contribute some. Some have kept their jobs and been able to contribute even more. Just so can't, can't express how grateful we are for the generosity of the church that we can continue to function and move forward and not take any steps back. So uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, if you'd like to give um, and you haven't been able to, you can go to our website, freestate.church and click the give link up at the top to do that. Uh, it was really cool this past Friday. Uh, we had a Heartland Campus devotional. We've been doing that every other week over Zoom. And uh, the, the Arkansas Campus Ministry, where Josh and Katie Warner are, you know, they kind of headed up. And uh, Arlie Butterfield, he did a, a lesson on prayer. And then uh, from 6 p.m. to midnight, we had a little prayer chain going on with all the different campus students around the Heartland. It was so inspiring to, to, to be together, to hear people's prayers, um, you know, to see Josh and Katie uh, who, who kind of came through Lawrence here to see Arlie, who came through Lawrence. It, it was just such a cool, uh, a powerful devotional. Um, so uh, great to be together with everybody. Um, okay, so jumping into stuff today, I've been working on a little something that, uh, that I call free, it's called Free State Forward. You know, I kind of been chewing on, praying about, considering, working on just where we're headed as a congregation. You know, what, what are some of our plans? What are we going to focus on? What direction are we going to move? Um, and so for a while now, I've been praying and mulling just on what I believe God's kind of big picture vision is for the church here and how to really communicate that. You know, who we are as a congregation, uh, what we're about, what we value, what we focus on. And that's what I want to talk a little bit about today, kind of who we are as a church, um, you know, and kind of the vision that I think God's put on my heart kind of at a high level for us as a congregation. So the title of my lesson today is Small Church, Big Family. And so this phrase, 
small church, big family, this is something that you're probably going to be hearing more, seeing more. Uh, and it's a phrase that I, I really believe summarizes kind of our identity as a church, our identity as a group of disciples here in Lawrence, uh, who we are, what we're about, what we value. Um, and uh, so today what I'd like to do is kind of break that phrase down. What, what does it mean um, when we say small church, big family? And, uh, and we're going to look at some scriptures and some stories that I think really articulate and summarize what that means for us as a congregation. So let's go ahead and pray and, uh, and we'll jump in. God, thank you so much for bringing us together this morning. God, I'm just so grateful to be able to continue to connect with you and with my brothers and sisters and the family here. God, through this time, I do pray that you continue to guide us as a church. God, I pray that you give us creativity and flexibility and help us to fight to stay connected with you and with one another. God, I pray that you be with our country right now. I pray that you would guide our, our world leaders God, I pray that uh, through all of it, we can put our trust and our hope and our faith in you and that our peace would come from you. God, we love you very much. We're very thankful for you. It's in your son Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So the first thing I want to talk about, the first part of this phrase, small church, big family, is small church. You know, and there's different, you know, you talk to different people depending on your experiences, I don't know, there's different uh, definitions of what a small church is, but I would say we're a small church. Why? We're, 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 just, we're just around a little above 100 members. We're a small church in a small little college town. But you know what? I love small churches. And it took me a while to kind of adjust. I came, you know, from Dallas, from a larger church to Lawrence. And at the time, the church was about 50. And uh, it was kind of a culture shock, kind of a wake-up call. But I think as I've, uh, as I've stayed in Lawrence a little over a decade now, I love small churches. The small church here in Lawrence, but also just small churches in general. There's just something so special about a small church. And I think our religious culture, you know, we've, we've kind of grown enamored at the large, super mega church over the last decade plus. But I think people are starting to value and realize how incredible and how powerful small groups can really be. And it's interesting because uh, I know a handful of larger churches, even within our fellowship, that have grown larger and larger in size. And they're actually intentionally starting to break things down in a way that make each group feel like a smaller group. Uh, and it's actually been a challenging transition, right? Because uh, there's some growing pains there. When you're a bigger group, it's kind of easy to hide. But when you break down into smaller groups, man, you, you can't just... Expect someone else to take care of it. Everybody's got to pitch in, right? When you're a small group, everybody's got to chip in. Everybody's got to be involved with the work. There's no passing it on to somebody else because there's nobody else to pass it on to. And so I love being a smaller group. And you know what? I think I think God likes small groups as well. You know, I think about the story of Gideon. When Gideon was, you know, to starting out, there's this army, an army of over 30,000 people. And God trims that army. Now look what he says here in Judges chapter 7 and verse 2. 
the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me saying my own strength has saved me. You know, what started as an army of over 30,000 was trimmed down to around 300. And God used that small group to conquer the Midianites. God, guys, God loves to do big things with small groups. You know, and sure, there are advantages of larger groups. I'm not saying there aren't, and I'm definitely not dogging on being a larger group. But how many times in Scripture do we see God intentionally using something smaller or weaker or, 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 or a, a little situation to have an incredible impact that just magnifies and shows off his glory? In 1 Corinthians 1 verse 27, it says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It's because of him that you're in Christ, who's become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, it's written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You know, one of the biggest advantages of being a small group, a small church, is that when you're small, it automatically sets you up for God to do something incredible because there's no other explanation when something incredible happens other than it's just God. God loves to do big things with small groups. You know, and be, being a smaller church, you know, that's part of who we are. And sometimes it can feel like a disadvantage, but guys, I, I want to change that narrative to realizing that, no, being, being a smaller group, it's not a disadvantage. It's actually one of our biggest strengths. You know, being a smaller church means we're agile. Even when all of this stuff first went down, I mean, it took us a couple hours just to get stuff up and going, and we were ready to rock. You communicate things out. You know, you're agile. It's easy to move as a smaller group. You know, being small means that everybody plays a part. There, there is a, when you've spent time in a small church, there is a mindset that you can't get anywhere but in a smaller church. And it's this mindset that you, you look for things to, to for, for ways to serve, for ways to get involved, because there's no one else to pass the buck to, right? It, it, it falls on everyone. And we all have to chip in and do the work. And that's one of the strengths of our church is that, you know, for a large part, most of the members in our congregation have a, a level of ownership in the work there because we all have to play a part. You know, uh, there are so many more strengths of being a small church, but guys, I want us to embrace that part of who we are. And as we move forward, as we see God grow the church, my vision is that we're going to continue to maintain, you know, kind of that small group mentality and feel, even if, if things just explode, even sometimes like we've seen in the past, continuing, you know, to break down and to send out so that we can maintain that small group feel. Because I think that God loves to do big things with small groups. And there's something so special 
about being a small group. And I think that's a part of who we are and a part of who we'll continue to be. Uh, And so guys, let's remember that when we see this phrase, small church, big family, that first part, small church, that's what it means. And it's something so important about our identity as a church. It's something that I love about being a small church. God loves to do big things through small groups. You know, and this kind of plays off of one of the advantages of being a, a, a small church. That's kind of that second part of this phrase. We're a small church, but we're a big family. You know, if there was one word, one word that I had to pick, there, there are many that come to mind, but if I had to pick one word to describe the church out here in Lawrence, the group of, of disciples out here in Lawrence, that would be family. It would be family. You walk into the room, I guess now as you walk into the Zoom, you walk into the room and you just, it's just family. There's just the, the, the energy in the room, it's just, it's just family. Did you know Rich and Annette Augustine got a new dog and his name is Augie? And Augie was the nickname that Rich had when he was younger. Why do I know that? Because we know everything about each other, right? We're a a small church, but we're a big family. There's no way you know those kind of details about each other unless you're, you're in a family. You know, I don't even know if Rich and Annette want me sharing that or Rich wants me sharing what his childhood nickname was. But guess what? We're family. So who cares? We know all of each other's dirt, right? You know everything about each other. We're, we're in each other's lives. We're family. The good stuff and the hard stuff. We babysit each other's kids. We give each other input on what we could do to, to help raise our kids. That's, that's family. We've got people baking cookies and dropping them off at doorsteps. We've got people, you know, photo bombing in each other's yards and sending uh, encouraging, you know, encouraging words to each other. That's family. We've got younger guys mowing the lawns of some of the older members. Guys, that's family. We have people doing drive-by birthday parades for some of the kids who are having birthdays in quarantine. That, it, that's family. You know, we have about 25 college students, you know, and our, about half the campus ministry lives in the same apartment complex, okay? And I'm sure they have a lot of fun, and I'm also sure they drive each other completely nuts, but that's family. You know, some of the, uh, some of the stories I've heard, some of the guys in, the, in that apartment complex on the campus, they bought a ton of cinder blocks, and they went to some of the sisters' households and just stacked them up, you know, so that when they walked in, walked outside in the morning, uh, they were kind of trapped, okay? Or they, they tied a rope to the front door and then tied it to a tree out in the yard so they couldn't open the door. Uh, you know, those annoying types of things that you do with your brothers and sisters, it's family. Guys, we're a small church, but we're, we're family. You know, in one of our theme scriptures in Acts 2, verse 42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. 
They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And when I read this passage, I see family. You know, and this is what we are striving to imitate as a family here. This passage, when people walk into the room, this is what we want them to see. Studying God's word together, praying together, in fellowship, to you know, sharing a common life together, being devoted to God and devoted to one another. A bunch of different people, different cultures, different backgrounds, all coming together in complete unity and in Christ having everything in common with each other. We're in each other's homes. We're eating food together. We're spending time together. We're celebrating all that God's doing, devoted to God and devoted to one another. We're a small church, but we're a big family. And guys, we want everyone around us to feel that. When your neighbor comes over or, or, or jumps online, you know, for your, your family group time, we want them to see family. You know, when, when people, you know, college students are visiting and they come into some of our events, it's not just about a, some, some event. We want them to see family. You know, when we're serving people in the community, we want our community to feel family. We don't want people we're serving to feel like a, you know, helpless charity case. They're, they're part of the family. Guys, we're a small church, but we're a big family. And so when, when we see this phrase, small church, big family, that's one of the things that, that, that's, that this means. You know, part of our identity, yeah, we're small, but we love that we're small. Because we're agile, we're mobile, and God loves to do big things with small groups, but we're also a family. And that's one of, that's another benefit of being a small church is that when you walk into the room, it's family. We're all in this together. We're chipping in, we're helping out, we're doing whatever we need to encourage each other, to strengthen each other, to serve each other, to have fun together, to build memories together, to raise our kids together. We're in each other's homes, we're praying together, we're in the word together, we're a family. Small church, big family. But there's one other aspect of this phrase, right? Small church, big family that, that, I, wanna, that I wanna talk about. Uh, what it means, okay? Another aspect of it. Uh, and that's training world changers. You know, we're a small church and we're a family here. But guys, what's, what's crazy is our family extends far beyond the borders of the city limits here in Lawrence. You know, turn over to Acts chapter 19. There's a great little story here that really reminds me of Lawrence. In Acts 19 and verse 8, it says, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them, took the disciples with him, and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. 
So Paul goes into Ephesus, right? He's speaking, preaching in the synagogues. He's not having much luck. So what does he do? He takes a group of disciples. They go into a lecture hall and they hold discussions there. And for two years, God uses that little situation to spread the gospel so that every Jew and Greek in the province of Asia, in Asia, in that entire section of the country, heard the word about Jesus and the kingdom of God. What does Paul do? He goes up on campus and he has Bible talk every day for two years until the entire area heard the message about Christ. Once again, God loves to do big things with small situations. But I love this passage. I think it's so cool. A little group of disciples in a lecture hall for two years discussing, persuading, preaching the message about the Lord and the word spread all through the area. And when I read this passage, I think about all that God has done through Lawrence over the last several decades. You know, Lawrence, like we said, it's this little college town, but God has used it to impact the world. We're a small church, but we're a big family. And what that means is our family is actually spread out all over the map. You know, I've I've been trying to track some of the ways that God has worked, some of the people that have come through Lawrence or were met and baptized in Lawrence and how God's used them to impact and spread the gospel all over the world. And man, it's been so inspiring. Just you know, having conversation after conversation, getting email after email and talking to people about how God worked during their time in Lawrence and the different people that came through there and where they're at now and how God's continued to work. It's been so inspiring. And I've been trying to track some of it. And I got to tell you, it's it's impossible. Uh, everyone I talk to, there's a, a new list of five other people and how God's kind of worked through their life and where they're at now and how God's used them to have it. it, it I can't keep track of it. But I wanted to try to share some of those stories today just to inspire us and remind us that although this is a small little college town, for decades God has used this little little Lawrence, Kansas to influence the globe. Now, uh, I'm going to share some names and some, some stories specifically. I apologize if I don't share your name. Like I said, it's, it's impossible to keep track of all this. But here's the deal. Guys, it's not about, it's not about the individuals, right? It's about how this is just a, this is a, a tiny little town in the middle of Kansas. But God has used it to do incredible things and spread the gospel all over the country and all over the world. You know, dating back to the to the 80s, I was talking with J.P. Tynes, right? In 1980, J.P. Uh, and his wife, they moved here to lead the church in Lawrence. And at the time, it was the Southside Church of Christ. Okay, during that time in the early 80s, I mean, there were several people that came through Lawrence that were baptized and that have gone on to influence the world. You know, even the Tynes, they were here for about four years. Uh, They went on to lead and serve in different roles in churches in Florida, in uh, in Georgia, in South Carolina, a lot of different churches in in the South. Uh, And when they were in Columbia, South Carolina, there in the church, you know, the church raised over a span of about five or six years, a quarter of a million dollars. And they supported mission work in South Africa. And, you know, that kind of 
kind of was a genesis of, you know, a group of churches that supported mission work in Africa, pulling together and coordinating their efforts. And this kind of evolved into what we now have is the African Missions Association. You know, and Paul Ramsey, Paul Ramsey serves as the executive director of the African Missions Association. So I was talking to him because like I said, I, I was, I talked to someone and, uh, and I kind of, I'd kind of try to track, okay, from Lawrence, how did God, where did God take you? What impact did God have in the country and in the world? And that kind of led me from, you know, African missions to talking to Paul. You know, Paul, uh, like I said, he's the executive director of the African Missions Association. And their vision, okay, is that there would be an established community of disciples in walking distance from every person in the continent of Africa. That's their mission as the African Mission Association. You know, in AMA, it works to coordinate work and support the gospel work from our fellowship in Africa. And currently, we have over 13,000 disciples in Africa spread out over 38 different countries. God has used Paul and his wife to have a significant impact all over the world. They were part of planning the church in Philadelphia. Paul served as an administrator in the Atlanta church. He served as an elder in the New York City church. Uh, he's, he led the church in South Carolina for a time, and Paul now serves as an elder and the administrator in the Austin church while serving as the executive director of uh, African Missions Association. And I'm talking to Paul and he mentions to me that in the early 80s, for a couple years, guess where him and his wife were? Lawrence Stinkin', Kansas. It's just, it, it just blew my mind. There were just so many different connections. But yet again, another example of how God has used this small situation to train up world changers. You know, and he messaged me. He said, you know, we've, we've led a blessed and exciting life. We've had 20 different addresses in our 40 years of marriage, but I have very fond memories of our time in Lawrence, reaching out in the dorms, Friday morning prayer breakfast with the brothers, and many campus devotionals. You know, even my dad, my dad was met and baptized in Lawrence in the early 80s while the times were here. And my dad now serves as an elder in the Dallas church. I mean, you just, you know, Rich and Annette moved into Lawrence for, for uh, you know, probably half of the 80s uh, with, with the times as well. There, guys, there's, there's a ripple effect. I wish we could track all the ways that just from that time, the people that became Christians and how they've gone on to influence the world and those people have gone on to have an impact. God has always used this small, tiny town to train world changers and influence the globe. You know, God continued to work and do incredible things into the 90s, okay? And train even more world changers. Um, you know, many of you know, you know, Charlie and Kathy Sawyer were here in the early 90s, Joe and Lane Hermosillo, Steve Schmidt, Okay, you know, a lot of you know Brett Schmidt, who was here. Brett was born while they were here in Lawrence. Um, and God continued to do big things through a small situation. You know, there, there were, 
it's, it's so inspiring hearing stories of school years where there were over 60 people baptized, right? And from that group, you get, you know, guys like Maurice Hooks and Sean Wooten and Mike Scales and Jeff Ryan and Tyler Youthon. And, you know, uh, you know, the Scots came through Lawrence and spent some time in this area and you know, like I said, there's so many people I, I'm, I'm trying not to name because I don't want to leave anybody out. But it's just it's amazing just seeing the ways that God has used this small situation to have such an incredible impact. You know, the group of people that were baptized there in the early 90s here in Lawrence have gone on to plant, lead and oversee and serve in churches all over Kansas, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, New York, Los Angeles, Colorado, Missouri, Indiana, Ukraine, Russia, Albania, Greece, Hungary, Romania, Turkey, Cyprus, Israel, Croatia, Bulgaria, Poland, and Jakarta, to name a few. Just from that group of disciples from the early 90s in this little college town, God loves to do big things through small situations. You know, and then you fast forward to kind of the second half of the 90s and, and the church here was officially established as an entity and, there, and many more faithful people, you know, moved in or were baptized that are still even here today. You know, you think of the Riggs, the Stevensons, the Andersons, Denise, Sandra, Charmaine, the Hopkins, I think James and Christina, you know, Josh, the, the Tallies, Zigglers, some, some of it right at the end of the 90s or early 2000s. I mean, God worked from a little situation to have such a large impact. And he continued to have a great impact into the early 2000s, right? Like I said, the other night we were having a, a campus devotional with all the heartland and Arlie Butterfield, right, is leading a lesson there. And uh, it was just so cool just seeing the impact that God is still having from something that was done by God here in little Lawrence, Kansas in the early 2000s. You know, the, there were people that were converted here in the early 2000s that were trained Maybe, maybe came through Lawrence or were met and baptized in Lawrence that have gone on to serve and spread the gospel throughout Kansas, Nebraska, Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Ireland, and Turkey. You know, and God hasn't slowed down any. You get into the 2010s, and guys, over the last 10 years, there have been over a dozen people that have served in the full-time ministry just in the last 10 years that have come through Lawrence. They're now serving in Kansas, Nebraska, Arkansas, Indiana, Michigan, Texas, Bolivia, Argentina, Nigeria, and more. I mean, not just in ministry, but just even in uh, significant roles serving in churches. Guys, for decades, God has used this little college town in Lawrence, Kansas, to have an impact literally all over the world. And I wanted to share a cool story here. I was reading about this on Disciples Today. And I, I'm going to, guys, I'm from Texas. My uh, accents are, are not very, very good. So I'm going to butcher some of these names, but I'm going to give it my best shot. Okay. But I was reading this article and said, once upon a time, nine years ago in Mexico City, 
Angel Esquivel, Andrew, I'm sorry, I'm just gonna say Angel and Andrew. They met and became friends and business associates. And their families also grew close. In 2018, when Andrew decided to pursue a graduate degree at Yale University, Angel joined him and moved from Mexico City to Southern Connecticut to assist with the business from Connecticut as Andrew pursued his graduate degree at Yale. Meanwhile, through God's design and plan, a rush of disciples from all over the world, Nigeria, Rwanda, Texas, Virginia, and Ukraine, suddenly and independently of each other, decided to attend Yale University. Yale went from having zero disciples to six disciples in one semester. In the fall of 2018, Andrew's family came to the Mexico City Church of Christ by way of recommendation of a co-worker and became members of the church. Andrew decided he wanted to continue to grow spiritually and decided while attending Yale, he would attend uh, the church in Southern Connecticut. After studying the Bible, Andrew was baptized on March 3rd, 2019. Angel, inspired by Andrew's decision and conviction, also decided to get serious about his relationship with God. And on Friday, May 24th, 2019, he was baptized into Christ in Connecticut. And although their families were far from each other, each uh, they all pursued their walk with God wherever they found themselves and wherever God had them. But wait, it gets crazier. While Angel was studying the Bible in southern Connecticut, Angel's parents were simultaneously studying the Bible with Andrew's parents back in Mexico City. And only two days after his baptism, his parents were also baptized. And I want, I want to show a picture here. Okay, this is of one, of one of those two baptisms at Yale. You know, for some of you looking at this picture, you may recognize that tall, dark, handsome Nigerian brother off in the background there. Adirin, Adirin, while at Yale, helped baptize these guys. And I think it's so cool because, you know, Adir, that, was, that was one of my roommates, okay? Adir spent so much time here in Lawrence with his family. Uh, so cool, guys, seeing how, once again, just another example of countless examples of how God has used this little tiny college town in the middle of Kansas to have an influence all over the world, Guys, we could go on and on. I was talking to, to Jeff Ryan, asking him about people he knew that had come through Lawrence and God had you. I mean, he literally sent me a list of almost 80 names and, you know, when they were in Lawrence, where they're, they're at now, how God's used them, wherever they're at. I mean, guys, the list is so long. We're a small church, but we're a big family. And our family spreads far beyond the borders of Lawrence. God has always used this little situation as a training ground for world changers that will go on to influence the kingdom of God everywhere. You know, I want to show another picture here. This is a world map. Um, shout out to Megan Ziegler and Ariana Hayward. They actually painted this map in one of the walls in the foyer here at the church building. You know, I wanted, I wanted to put this up because I want this to be a visual that, yeah, we're a small church, but we're a big family. 
Literally, we have family members that have come through Lawrence that have gone on all over the world and God has used them to have an incredible impact. And so we're trying to track, like I said, uh, people that have come through Lawrence and where God's taken them to impact the world and mark those down just as a great visual that, yeah, we're a small church in a small town, but we're a big family. And, uh, you know, you might be sitting there thinking, well, I haven't gone anywhere and uh, I'm not in the full-time ministry. Because that's what's so incredible. That's what I love about this vision is it's not just about going somewhere or going into the ministry. You don't don't have to move to a foreign country to be a part and play a part in this vision for the church here. You know, I think about the Zigglers, the Andersons, the Hopkins, Sandra, the Fords, the Holtz, the Talleys, Amy Lee, Denise, Charmaine, people who have stayed here sacrifice to stay here and the people that they have influenced in their time here that God has spread throughout the world. It's the same impact by staying here. You know, and that group of people inspired another group of people to stick around. You know, I think about the Wassingers and Lindsay Purcell and Madison and Lafonso and the Mediavias, the Ellises, the Weavers, the Ballards, the Snells, the Mendenhalls, you know, Hutchison, uh, um, uh, Lindsay, Marissa, I'm going to get in trouble. Okay, I'm going to get in trouble listing names because I know I'm leaving some people out. But there's been an inspiration for people to sacrifice and stay here. And that impact has been no less significant. You know, some of you guys know Aaron Ellis, right? Where would Aaron, Aaron's a mess now, where would Aaron be without uh, the Andersons pulling him in, you know, as part of their extended family and and helping to uh, provide guidance and encouragement along the way? You know, every discipling time, every meal, Every time you've helped support someone to go to an ICMC, those little decisions all along the way have had a a ripple effect throughout the world and the influence that God has used those things to have. You know, you don't have to go into the full-time ministry, right? I think about, you know, Jordan and Megan Hopper helping serve in Kids Kingdom and Tyler Uthon serving as a community leader in Kansas City and Jeff Ryan and his wife leading the youth and family ministry in St. Louis, not in the full-time ministry, right? Mike and Ellen, I was talking to Mike the other day. They had, a, you know, before all the quarantine, they had the campus ministry over and fed everybody. It's, you know, those little decisions, You don't have to be in a foreign country or move somewhere or go into the full-time ministry to have an impact throughout the entire world. Well, I'm not a college student. Guys, this vision is not just about campus ministry. We all play a part in this. And it's actually actually a biblical pattern that we see. An example, you look in Titus 2 and it talks about the older Christians passing it on to the younger Christians. You know, how many of the, of the older members in the congregation have poured into countless younger disciples and helped be a part of their mature maturity and their training to go on and have an influence other places? 
Guys, and it's a full circle. Some of you, you know, have stayed here. You've had kids, but then you've had these college students in your home and you've been able to influence these college students. And some of those college students have then influenced some of your kids. And now some of your kids are, are going into the campus ministry and then they're influencing people. It's just this full circle of, of pulling each other in as a family, of helping mature and train world changers. Guys, we're a small church, but we're a big family. And Lawrence, Kansas has always been, and I believe will continue to be a place that God will train world changers. Guys, this vision of being a training ground for world changers that will come through or be met or be baptized and mature and grow. And as a family, we're all pouring into each other and, and our kids and, and raising up and going on to influence the world. This is a part of who we are. It's been in the fabric and the makeup of, of the disciples out in Lawrence for decades. Guys, we're a small church, but we're a big family. We're agile. We're set up for God to show off, right? God loves to do big things through small groups. And we're also a family. Everybody knows everybody. We're all in this thing together with one another, devoted to God, devoted to one another. But we're also a training ground for world changers. You know, about 60 years ago, a meteorology researcher and professor at MIT developed some significant theories, okay? His computer had a little glitch, and this led to him making some pretty profound, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, discoveries. And after further study and findings, it led him to ask this question. Does the flap of a butterfly's wing in Brazil set off a tornado in Texas? You know, in studying this meteorology, you know, I'm not, we're not going to get into chaos theory today, mainly because I don't know anything about it. But this, this question that was posed was later, you know, it, it's evolved into what we know today as the butterfly effect, right? It's the idea that little things in one place will lead to significant results and imp impacts over time in another place. And guys, that's what I believe God has done to the disciples in Lawrence over the years. And I believe he will continue to do. We're a small church, but we're a big family. We're small in size, and I love that. I love that. And we're also a family. But I believe that this is and will continue to be a training ground for world changers. And although it's a small little college town, you know, similar to what we see in Acts, through one little lecture hall, God spread the word all throughout the area. I believe that God has and will continue to use little Lawrence, Kansas, a little college town in the middle of the country, in the middle of Kansas, to have an impact and spread the gospel all over the world. And once again, it's not about the names and the individuals and this person and that and when they did it. It's about God showing off his power, showing off his love to the world by using a tiny situation to have an incredible impact. And so guys, as we continue to move forward as a church and we continue to pray and dream and figure out, man, what is, what is God's vision for the church here? What direction does he want us to go? I want us to remember, guys, 
We're a small church. We're a big family. And that means a lot, a lot more than just those four words. Uh, and, and so I hope, guys, that we can really chew on this. We can be thinking about this. And like I said, as we continue to move forward, you're going to be seeing and hearing this phrase more and more. We're a small church. We're a big family. And I'm just excited to be a part of it, guys. I love you guys so much. I uh, hope you have a great rest of the day. And uh, I'll talk to you later. Love you guys. Bye.